0: I'm Hillary. I'm Clinton. And welcome to Black Atlantic. We are a primarily Black Atlantic-centric podcast, website, and media channel with the goal of bringing POC Atlantic voices to the world.
1: You can expect to hear from us every week with guests, segments, panels, roundtables, exploring topics from all over Atlantic Canada. Now, be sure to visit our website at blackatlantic.ca.
0: And follow Black Lanik on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and more.
1: Hillary, how are you this week?
0: Good. I was saying to you before we started, a bit tired, um, some friends of the show invited me down to Nathan Phillips Square for Skate Day, for Bob Marley Day, which is very excited to see a lot of brothers and sisters out there celebrating. It was very nice, beautiful, sunny weekend. Um, and then I went to Italy, which is like a very hyped up Italian restaurant and uh, shop. But I had been sort of boycotting it for a while um, because of cancel culture, but it turns out that I was misinformed. Um, And so I was happy to finally go and check it out and eat there. Um, And other than that, I would say that this week has been uh, crazy busy because we we launched the podcast um, and I don't know what you were expecting but I am very happy with all of the positivity all of our friends really supporting us the black community supporting us the Atlanta community supporting us um, and my CBC uh, interview with Gary Weeks aired and it was very exciting to find out that that got featured on CBC being black in Canada so this week has been stellar how about you Clinton
1: My week's been good, and yeah, I was very happy with as well. The Facebook page has grown to more than I expected in the first week. The mm-hmm. podcast had some good feedback. Uh, and as expected, we even got some negative comments, right? So, so things <laughs> yeah. are on track with that. We've had people complaining under our comments and posts with just some, I'm sorry, some of the most ignorant comments ever. But that is what we are used to, the, yeah. the stuff that we do. So that's been good. My week's been good. It snowed in like crazy over here. Uh, right. Had to snowplow twice in one snowstorm. Today we got to have uh, a birthday party, a mini birthday party for my three-year-old. Finally, his birthday was a month ago, but through the lockdowns, we, we just chose not to do anything. Salon's back open, and you know life is good. It's been a good first week, like you said. The podcast launch and the media site went well. The website's uh, growing. Uh, <laughs> week three, I think, of stopping coffee after drinking it for more than half my life, which has I'm been quite nice. the endeavor, but I'm staying strong, uh, and that's that's my week things are pretty good
0: that sounds super good yeah the the storm yeah. looked pretty hectic and I felt really wild. really bad yeah 60
1: centimeters yeah no thank you and
0: it was 30 years this week since this storm of 92 that like infamously over five feet of snow uh yeah. in Moncton so
1: I was in Toronto for that one. We were called in the military to plow our streets. Oh, my God. We weren't ready for a snowstorm <laughs> like that. No. We were
0: ready for the snowstorm that happened here last week when we only got 34 centimeters. They're still trying to clear out cars on paint. Like,
1: yep. yeah, yep. that's Toronto. So is, uh,
0: yeah. Anyway, are you ready for the first guest of Black Manic?
1: Totally ready because really uh, I already know it was a really cool guest we're bringing up. So
0: very cool guest. So, though, further ado, I will get into the intro. This week's guest is Greg Frankson, currently residing in Whitby, uh, founder of Voice Share, a published writer, and the reason we have him on is he's the editor and uh, has some works in the African Anthology, an anthology of the Black Perspective writing from across the nation. Uh, he is an award-winning literary artist, media commentator, the former Canadian National Poetry Slam champion, amongst other accolades. Greg, how are you?
2: You know, I'm just here relaxing, (laughs) listening to Hillary and Clinton get it going. You know what I mean? Hello, Black Atlantic. Very excited to be here.
0: Thank you. I will I will start by giving some context that um, a friend of Clinton and I's is Tandway McCarthy and, of course, his mother, Mary Louise McCarthy, I would say pioneers of the Black community in New Brunswick who are doing a lot of good work. Um, and when we had spoken to him not too long ago, he had mentioned to be looking out for a publication of his works. And I was keeping my, my eyes open, my hands on the pulse waiting, and then I saw him start posting about the African anthology, And then I also became familiar with Gary Weeks, who then also started posting about his work doing the cover of African anthology. And so then I had to dive in and learn more about who was all involved, who was putting all the pieces together. And I very quickly found your name, found your Instagram, asked you to be on the podcast. And that same day, I think we had a, a three-hour long phone <laughs> call maybe, where we then became best friends. <laughs> um, and then you brought over some copies. Something and like that. Something like that. You brought some copies for us. <laughs> I was amazed by the works in it. Um, and then uh, a few weeks later, you helped us deeply by coming up with the name Black Atlantic. And I believe we will be forever indebted to you um, for such a clever way to really express uh, what we want to be doing. Um so thank you so much first of all <laughs> thanks.
2: Yeah, it's all good. I mean I just got to you know share the love cuz you know the black folks out on the Atlantic side you know uh there's a, just this incredible history and and depth and richness to the communities that are based uh in the Atlantic provinces and mm-hmm. Newfoundland. So I mean this is this is amazing. I'm I'm so touched uh to be able to to be here with you folks today. And um, and I also have to say that uh, going out east is some of the most fun that I ever have had, uh, you know, in my in my life and in and, and the, and the things that I've done throughout yeah. the throughout the years as an
0: artist. Amazing. you um, should
1: hear about some of that before we get into our, our questions.
0: Yeah, tell, tell us, us about, about the that. the east
1: and huh. <laughs> I was going right. to ask you that. Sorry, oh, Hillary. I'm throwing I'm... stuff out of the mix already. But, no, go
0: for
1: uh, it. I got my curiosity piqued. Tell us about the East and what you loved about it. Yeah,
2: well, um, I have been out East many times. Uh, I have been to three of the four provinces. Strangely, I've never been to PEI, but I have been to New Brunswick and Nova Scotia and to Newfoundland. I've gone out to St. John's on a number of occasions. I love st john's it's a really cool uh place to be uh most recently went out there to do some training of some teachers um at at uh, memorial university so that was cool um halifax uh i've been there many many times for artistic reasons uh you know to participate at the canadian festival of spoken word when halifax hosted it and then also to feature at shows um, that were being put on there by you know some some very famous, uh, well-known uh, personalities, folks like, you know, Reed Israel Jones and L. Jones and all of those cats with the word is Bond uh, Poetry Collective in Halifax. So I've done some stuff with them. But I should also say that I spent six weeks in Halifax during the federal campaign in 2005-2006, the winter campaign. I got recruited by Alexa McDonough to work on her local campaign. And so I actually spent those six weeks driving her around and canvassing and going to events, uh, learning Halifax through the eyes of Alexa McDonough and uh, and having that experience in poetry. And I ended up writing about it, called it the Halifax Chronicles, and that's been included in my most recent poetry book that I put out before African anthology in November, I released a book called Cerebral Confections. And so that whole story of the campaign is in Cerebral Confections. So, you know, so I just wanted to send a shout out to, you know, to the family, uh, to, to the McDonough family, and just, you know, passing on my regards and my respects and condolences on her recent passing. So that's sort of like a big piece of my experience out in in Nova Scotia, but I've also been to New Brunswick. I went there once for a conference uh, in Fredericton, so I've seen the I've seen the provincial building in Freddie. I've been there, um, and then I also went out to do some some youth uh, arts uh, project work. Way back, I, I worked for a short period of time with the United Nations Association in Canada, and I uh, and I ended up going uh, to. Uh, to Moncton for that. And, uh, and we did a quick trip over to Shediac, which was the first place I ever dipped my toe into the Atlantic Ocean within the Canadian boundaries um, out, out there while I had taken a break from the, uh, from the big lobster party. Uh, that we were throwing on the on the waterfront so yes so there's a lot there's a lot of experience for me in out out east sorry that was a a long ramble but yes there's there's lots going on there
1: no that's you are truly well associated with the atlantic that is that's quite more than we hear from a lot of ontario uh natives Are are you born and raised yeah. I'm a Scarborough kid, man. Straight up. All right. All right. Okay. So that's a lot more than most people don't know that Canada goes past Quebec. So <laughs> Exactly. Doing good.
2: Awesome. It's like it's, it's Montreal and then it kind of just washes out into this it's big white waste. Yep. <laughs> cool.
0: I think that yeah, that's man. great too, because it to me, hearing that and knowing what I know about the anthology and your vast network, and we're going to get to that later, but how much you know about Canada really speaks to how I'm going to assume how important it was to get so many amazing people in the book who express all of the different perspectives in all of the places that you've visited and probably collected your own perspectives of those places. So I find that super fascinating. Um, But I'll I'll start with the first question, which does is all about you and your upbringing and being that Scarborough kid. Um, Tell us about you before we get to all of the the writing stuff. Who who is Greg Franks?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was born on a cold Tuesday in <laughs> January 1975, um, but, uh, yeah, but that's actually. I true. was gonna
0: say I know when your birthday is. That's legit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's legitimately true. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, yeah, last uh, like I guess about ten days ago, I had my uh, my 47th birthday. So that was very exciting. I was born at Toronto East General Hospital, raised in Scarborough. And uh, you know, and I lived in the Kingston Galloway Orton Park neighborhood. Um, that's that's where I'm originally from. And uh, you know, and I attended high school there, graduated, and then I went away to Queen's University, where I was uh located, Kingston, Ontario, for six years of my life. While I was there, I got very involved and that's and that's sort of where I Kind of came into my passion for social justice related work and also for teaching, which is what I studied at Queen's. Uh, While I was there, I became the first Black president of the oldest student government in Canada, the Alma Mater Society of Queen's. I was president number 138 in the history of the organization. And while I was president, led a student movement to pressure the university to name and commemorate uh, things on campus after Robert Sutherland, who was the first Black graduate of uh, of a university in Canada, the country's first Black lawyer. And when he died, his bequest uh, back to the university uh, helped them at a moment where a bank collapse had just destroyed their endowment and they were about to be taken over by U of T. So the bequest that Robert Sutherland left was the foundational piece of a massive fundraising campaign that saved Queens as an independent institution because it was just about to become part of U of T. Uh, so literally a black man is responsible for Queens being an independent institution. So that was sort of my first experience with, you know, being part of creating and, and, and saving and sharing Canadian Black history uh, for future generations. And so after that, went on to become a teacher and a trainer and doing all of the work in the community and then stumbled into poetry. I've now been doing spoken word art for 18 years and, uh, and I love it. It's, uh, you know, the creative expression is a passion of mine, but it's also heavily influenced by the music and the hip hop that I was engaged in as a young person growing up in Scarborough rapping. You know, in high school, I was in a high I was in a rap group with Shaq Claire, um, Juno winning uh MC. Um, so I've known I've known Shock since we were little kids. And uh yeah, you know, so th- all of that stuff comes naturally to me. And, the, and it's very much a, a reflection in the poetry that I share, which is very rhythmic, which is very musical, which is very lyrical, and which also depends upon various aspects of my Jamaican heritage and my Scarborough upbringing to bring the message and to, and to for me to deliver on my personal mission statement, which is to present the vision that
1: inspires others to positively change the world.
0: I think that's amazing. That is amazing.
1: Uh, Chisnaka, I, eh? You're in the rap group with the Chisnaka? Yeah, man. Amazing. Absolutely. I'm so excited when his first album dropped back in the day. Go ahead, Hilary. Oh, yeah.
0: It's okay. No, I, I was just going to ask my, my next question, which is because, because I mean, we became friends very quickly. Don't know everything about you. Learned about the pen name Ritalin while flipping through the book. Just wondering like why? In the same way people ask me why cropberry and my answer is super stupid. I'd like to know if there's a lot of a lot of good reasoning behind that one or if it was just something superfluous at the time.
2: Well, the deep reason behind Ritalin is that the actual medication, methylphenidate, is prescribed to folks. Who are, you know, living with, you know, attention deficit disorder Mm -hmm. and the drugs to help people to focus because the problem with that people with ADD experience is not that they're unable to focus at all. The problem is, is that they're attempting to focus on everything all at the same time. And so what the drug does, and because I live with ADHD myself, what the drug does is it allows people to focus on things one at a time so that you can dial in and get things done and you can figure out what's important and get it moving. So if this drug is meant to cause people to focus on the things that are important, that's what I believe my poetry and my writing is about, to clear away all the mess, all the nonsense in the world and have the people focus on the issues that matter. The real story of how I got the name Ritalin is <laughs> uh, I was I was sitting in a living room. I had written my first poem. I was about to take it to stage. This is the summer of 2003. And so it's a long time ago. And uh, my girlfriend at the time and I were brainstorming different possible stage names. Because I'm like, Greg Frankson, that's too boring of a stage name. I need to come up with something a little more interesting. So brainstorming, terrible ideas, terrible, terrible ideas were coming out. And as I was sitting there brainstorming, I realized I was fiddling with something in my hand, you know, how you just kind of subconsciously do that sometimes. And I looked down and realized it was her pill bottle because she has ADD. And then I read the label and it said Ritalin. And I was like, yeah, Ritalin, that'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? She's like, no, that's perfect. And that was how I became Ritalin. But, you know, later on, as I thought about it, I was like, no, it's actually super appropriate. And and so that's what it has come to mean to me about having people focus on things that are important.
0: What an amazing answer. <laughs> That's so cool. That's very like serendipitous while also just so fitting.
2: Cool. Check
0: and check. Yes. Check and check. That what is mean? a
1: great description. That is a great name, Ritalin. Um it's yeah, I, I love it. It's yeah, uh, I mean I was thinking and yeah, Hillary, that is a bit better than your <laughs> your background <laughs> for your name. It's a good name, but the background Prop the needs Burberry some
0: <laughs> anyway wow. listen i was i was young it's incorporated now who cares <laughs> it, it lives
1: no it's good. um yeah ritalin's cool because i mean i don't even i didn't even know it was the medication but i've heard in the rap songs so much and it just has to do with like you just hear it wrapped on point so much ritalin and this that middle bit it's uh It flows in all kinds of ways. So I'm glad she was there that day to help you out with that. Um, (laughs) I was curious. uh, So you were a media commentator. Um, Who were you a media commentator for? And what was being in a role or position like that like? Like,
2: Well, over the years, I've had the opportunity to to write commentary in a a bunch of different forums. So uh, at one point I was writing for The Spectrum, which was... uh, a late, great Black community newspaper in Ottawa. Uh, So I was writing for that. Um, I've also, all back in the day, I don't know if you folks remember Dose.ca, but back in the day, they had like a blog section and I was writing political commentary blog on there and ranking in the top five every week. So I was killing it at that and then gave that up because that was too boring. Um, But, uh, you know, I wanted wanted to be a poet and a rapper. So I, I had to give that up. But probably the media commentary uh, position that I'm best known for was the two years that I spent on CBC Radio 1 in Toronto, where I was writing poetry each week uh, as part of the uh, of the crew at Here and Now, which is the afternoon uh, drive home radio show on uh, CBC Radio 1 Toronto. And my segment was called A Weekly Dose of Ritalin, um, which was kind of amazing. And uh, the producer thought it would be hilarious if we did it on a Thursday afternoon at 4.20 p.m. So that's what we did. Seriously. And uh, and so I would get on and I would write a poem about something that was happening in the world that had a direct impact on Torontonians. So I wrote poems about, uh, you know, the scandal around um, Lance Armstrong you know, when, you know, when he got caught, uh, I wrote, uh, I wrote poetry about Rob Ford, so much poetry about Rob Ford. Um, <laughs> I wrote poetry about the gardener expressway. Cause they thought it was going to fall down on people. So I wrote a, I wrote a little ditty about that. I actually sung that one. That one was fun. Um, so I, I wrote a whole bunch of things about all kinds of things, Superstorm Sandy, like just all kinds of things that were going on. And, uh, and then I ended up after the segment ended, I actually collected those poems together and published them into a book. So I actually, one of my poetry collections is A Weekly Dose of Ritalin. Um, and, you know, I think that it's important as poets, as writers, as thinking people, that we do express our point of view about what's going on. Poets write the commentary of the world as it is, whereas we com- you know, we fight back against those who are trying to write a history of the world as they would like it to be and remain for the future. And so, you know, we have an important role to play as canaries in the coal mine to call out the nonsense as it's going on in real time and, you know, and to to call the BS what it is. And so that's really what I've done. And I'm looking to continue that. I mean, just this past week, I had an article published in the Globe and Mail talking about, you know, important issues to the Black community. So it's something that I continue to do on an ongoing basis.
0: Yeah, this week you've had a lot of, uh, well, since the first, when the African anthology came out, I've been, I've been, (laughs) you've been keeping me up to date on all of the media releases. So for those looking at the video version, I'm going to hold up my, one of my, the many copies I have in this house. And I will actually use this moment to say, but I'll repeat it again at the end. Uh, If you are listening to this, then the contest is already running to win two copies, but we're about to tell you why you want a copy. And so I will start by asking, Um, tell us about like why you wanted to put together the African anthology, what it means to you and what for me as a reader was so important was why include all of these perspectives. Um, like what was the, the purpose of doing that?
2: Well, African anthology is something that I've been thinking about for almost a decade. I've, I've always felt that it would be an an important contribution Uh, to the literature on Black Canada to have a collection where folks are not only writing their creative thoughts and expressions, but also writing about their personal lived experiences and combining those. Because usually when we're talking to writers, we get one or the other. We don't often get both together and neither do we get both together with a whole series of people. So we've got you know we've got writers from coast to coast who are who are present in the book from many different ethnocultural backgrounds different lived experiences um different um different um like origins in the world whether they're from america or they're from the caribbean or they're from africa or you know they're you know from like like Tondue, you know from from canada many generations and we just had all of those folks um come together i really wanted it to be a diverse collection because the Black community of Canada is diverse. The Black community of Canada is complicated. It's uh, it's not a single community. It's a series of communities. And there are conflicts and, and frictions between those communities and within those communities. And there are problems that we're dealing with that the rest of society may not even be fully aware that we deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. I mean, talk to a white lady about her hair. she's she going to say something different than a black lady talking about her hair? You know what I mean? We just have different things that we deal with on an ongoing basis. And so I thought it would be important to get those voices together, encourage them to write creatively and to write personally, put that collection together and offer that as a gift To current and future generations about what's happening within those Black communities here in the third decade of the 21st century?
0: I can say that I I personally completely agree that it is a gift. Um, I one of the most touching uh, stories that I read or essays, if you will, um, about one of, one of the, there's so many authors I haven't kept track of who wrote what I've just been very compelled by the stories, but the, one of the Jamaican authors who had another Jamaican boy in his class and then started to feel so inferior and not Jamaican enough. And then, you know, whitewashing and assimilating to be like everyone I've related so much to trying to be like all of the Moncton around me, not like the Senegalese inside of me, uh, not even knowing that, that person existed, and not wanting to let her have a voice at all. And so that one, very like jarring, but so relatable to anyone with even the smallest amount of like black identity crisis. And I think a lot of us have that crisis, whether we're completely dark skin, light skin, where we fit on the spectrum. It's very hard in such a multicultural, diverse place like Canada to figure out where your blackness sits within you. Um, I So far, everything I've read has been so astounding. Um, and, and the other thing that really touched me, and I've been able to speak about this a couple of times in different places, is really what I appreciated the most is the amount of people and the networking. And the minute we had our first phone call, you were listing off authors and peoples and rappers and maritime located people who should be on our show and that was like before we even really knew each other and I don't think people understand how black people think in this like community survival mode but I, I wanted to ask you so that it's, there's another perspective on it to say out loud why it was so important for you to have this many influential people in it and how you even get to a place where you know this many sick people because it's a it's its own directory your brain is a directory of cool black people um and i'm just wondering how do you get to know all of these amazing artists
2: well i've been really lucky because you know now that i've been around for almost two decades doing art uh in this in this way you know i've gotten the opportunity to work with incredible people you know i got invited to a few of the legendary dub poetry festivals that were run by folks like Afua Cooper and Clyde Brooks and Clifton Joseph and Lillian Allen. So I got to meet like the OGs uh, in the dub tradition and through those connections ended up becoming friends with Be Young, Um, you know. So, you know, I've I've been exposed to those folks. And so Afua kind of represents that particular um, aspect in the collection. And of course, Afua Cooper is just an incredible human being and a fantastic scholar, and one of the most important, um, you know, custodians of Black Canadian history in our country right now. Uh, so there's that. Um, and then through these networks, I got connected to other folks. So, for example, Afua is the one who got me in contact with Webster, who's located in Montreal, is a very known, uh, very well known hip hop artist uh, in you know in the French communities in Quebec but is also doing incredible work in terms of capturing and archiving the important uh, contributions of Black Canadians in the province of Quebec, both in English and in French. And so I got connected to him and he put me on to Chloe Savoie Barnard, who's one of the up and coming, uh, you know, feminist writers in Montreal. And so, you know, we get all of these connections that happen. And then I also know some folks. Right. Like Dwayne Morgan and I uh, go all the way back to our teenage years as friends growing up in Scarborough, uh, doing community based work uh, here in, in, in the city. And then I get put on to other folks like Cicely Bell Blaine out uh, in Vancouver who's one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter Vancouver that I got in contact with because of some other folks that I got told about. And then there's other people who are just young and energized, who are just looking for their first major publications to get known within the community. And so that would be somebody like Asante Houghton, who wrote the essay that you were referring to. And Asante is probably best known for his mental health advocacy, but he's also an extremely talented spoken word artist and writer. And so, you know, you end up with all of these different mixes of people. And then the other thing that happens is that folks, you didn't even know were around, just kind of pop up and you're like, whoa, let me get in touch with that person. So that's what ended up happening when I found out about Evelyn C. White, who I didn't know was in Canada, uh, is originally from America, Lives in the Halifax area and is, you know, the biographer for Alice Walker. Dude, she lives in Halifax. I have had amazing conversations and interactions with Evelyn C. White. My life is richer because I did African anthology and I got to work with people I've always respected people like Afua Cooper, people like George Elliott Clark, people like Andrea Thompson. And then I get introduced to people who are having this incredible impact on me. People like Webster, people like uh, Evelyn, people like Tondaway McCarthy, people like Cicely Bell Blaine, people like Valerie Mason John, who I've had the, the, you know, who I've worked with on The Great Black North, which was the first great, amazing Canadian Black poetry book. Anyway, I could go on and on. Let's just say that I am completely blown away and it And it has been an unbelievably enriching and illuminating experience working with these incredible artists, these incredible human beings.
1: That's wonderful to hear. And let me say it's so pleasant to hear you speaking about so many great talented people so passionately and so empathetically um like you could tell that you're the right person to put this anthology together just because they can sense your deep appreciation for these people from all over the country and what you were all able to do together um so the book did, did, did the book drop in january or just now just a few days ago just february february one february one okay so there probably hasn't been a. I was going to ask you what the impact and feedback has been so far. Is is this enough days to have sort of collaborated some opinions on the book so far? Um, and kind of a two part question. In that same regards, um, I mean, this is in the the summary introduction to the book, but you can tell already that this book is meant to be sort of diverse people from all over the country but it's bold unapologetic um sort of in your face no no holding punches kind of a a collection and yeah I want to know what the impact has been so far and sort of your overall summary of it because while it's diverse I think there's some unifying themes that all black people definitely share um So put that in the question, what has the impact been so far? And if just for the listeners who haven't picked up the book yet, if you can summarize sort of some of the stories, the goal.
2: Well, I mean, I can tell you that since the book has dropped, we've been starting to get in some different reviews from folks uh, giving us their amazing feedback on on what they've read. So, for example, we got uh, a review from uh, Rachel Fernandez of the Miramichi Reader. Um, who says that African anthology is extremely engaging and lively because of the range of voices included in the book, and especially because of the variety of styles at play. Just one of the things that that they had to say. Uh, Rosemary Sadlier, who is um, just an incredible Um, figure, a pillar of the Black community and, you know, like the former president of the Ontario Black History Society, who is currently doing international work on equity and inclusion, uh, you know, she, uh, she gave us some feedback. She was just saying, That uh, you know the African anthology does a tremendous job of raising, exploring and engaging the reader with the diversity that is the population of people of African descent in this country, whether they're artists or not, and through the introduction we're invited to see the book as a means to respond to the realities of us. And further we are warned that this book is both a celebration and a warning, and it is, you know so starting to get this amazing feedback from folks from all over the place, just saying how much uh, this book is already having an impact. And so when I think about how the folks in the book just had no F's left to give, you know, and they just, they just lay it out, you know, um, bold on, on the page in your face, no messing about. We say it like it is. We say it like, The experience is being lived today. And, you know, and I think it's important for people to understand when they read this book that it is the unvarnished truth. These are these are some of the most persuasive truth tellers in the country. And they tell it true and they don't play. So if you're not ready to hear truth, if you're not ready to look at Canada and it's unwashed underside, then don't read this book. But if you're willing to think about what kind of Canada can we have move forward, what are some of the things that we can do in order to improve the country that we have, the country that we created out of the stolen territory, and how we can all work together to do whatever we can here on Turtle Island to make this place work for all of us in a better way, pick up this book because this is going to contribute in a strong way to that kind of a conversation.
1: Amazing um so to the listeners here definitely pick up the book but also i see that you have an event coming up for african uh, African anthology. i can't talk today i've been kids birthday party all day on february 25th we're going to share this on the page so what is this event is this going to be everyone reading is are you going through the whole book is everyone reading their pieces
2: Well, you know what, we actually have a series of launch events that are happening. And I really want to highlight, especially for the Atlantic folks, that there is some fun stuff that's being planned for Friday, the eleventh of February, based out of Fredericton. But I, I, I see Hillary telling me she' gonna get to that. So let me talk. Let me talk a little bit about. You can get the, to it. <laughs> I can get to it. All right. If you want, I can.
0: To- I can also get to it. I was like, I remember this. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No. So I mean, it's being organized. Uh, the gallery on Queen in uh, in Fredericton. Uh, is doing this in association. Um, with the contributors in, uh, in that community, uh, with Atondo A. McCarthy and, uh, and Gary Weeks, who provided the cover image uh, for this collection, two members of the brand spanking new New Brunswick uh, Black Artists Alliance. If you haven't heard and you haven't checked it out, go find them and learn more. The first ever arts organization servicing Black people in New Brunswick's history. Give the proper respect on the name of that organization. So they have some plans that they're doing. And on the 25th, we're going to be having the launch event that's based out of Toronto at a different book list, which is uh, an iconic Black-owned bookstore, which is owned by Aita Sadu, who wrote the foreword for African anthology. So we're going to have a bunch of us folks who are going to be doing that. Both of those events are going to, are going to have some live streaming virtual aspects. So folks from around the country will be able to tune in for either one
1: of those events. Amazing. So, I mean, you have been doing this for decades and, you know, you have built a network of some clearly very talented and passionate people after this month of promotions and probably promoting this book for a while. Have there already been talks about the next one in a couple of years? Has there been some chatter or uh, some thoughts about this? chatter? Where do you see this going is what I want to ask you.
2: We're well past chatter at this point. So the thing about African anthology, about this beautiful book, is that this is just meant to be the first of a series. It was always intended to be a series uh, of what I uh, envision as the African anthology of Black Canadian culture, the full collection of the books. And... The idea is that there will be successive volumes that will look at different aspects of culture. So uh, the African Anthology 2 is going to look at fiction. Then we're going to get into looking at music, sport, journalism and media, uh, visual, graphic and fashion arts, page and stage performers, uh, you know, um, community leadership, business, Politics. So we plan to go all the way through and look at all of the different ways in which Black Canadians have an impact on the Canadian culture and how the specifics around our community and how we interact and and deal with things as Black people, how that has had a specific type of impact based out of those those ideas. And so the book then becomes the foundation of uh, of a not for profit organization African Anthology Canada that houses and takes care of the of the information and the stories in the books and grows that out to provide us with opportunities to create connection with the various generations in the ways that they can access it. Some of the older generations are going to want to do something like this with the book But other folks are going to want more digital ways to access, um, you know, things that we can share on social media. We want to be able to, uh, you know, record stories of our elders and make those available to folks to listen to going forward and all of these other different kinds of ideas. Those are the kinds of things that we're going to build through the not-for-profit. So this book is just the seed of a much bigger garden, And so, you know, this is the first, this is the first plant, the first sprout that broke out from the from the ground, you know. So we have a much, a much bigger vision to get done. So we started like this, and by the time we're done, it'll look like Central Park, trust.
1: Wow. That is a big vision. That's amazing. That's amazing. Dream dream no small dreams, my friends. No doubt.
0: All dreams. Um, so I will remind people, we're going to give away two copies. Um, if you follow the Instagram, there will be information on how to do that. One of those like this photo post. But I will be saying, if you want to review the podcast because she's fresh bonus entries. Bonus entries if you leave reviews on this episode, if you're listening to it right now, because we want five stars, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, I will tie all of this back to you, Greg, and I'm going to put you on the spot. If you want to read some poetry, either your pieces from the African Anthology, from the book that came out in November, or it's something spontaneously right now that you're feeling to like send us off into this. We record on Sundays, on this Sunday night. (laughs) Spark
2: the light, ignite, heat up the atmosphere in Kelvin, Celsius, and Fahrenheit. Dance and cast shadows as scorched leaves and wood flicker and the crowd around the bonfire grows thicker and thicker. Share tales of yore passed down from generation to generation to warm up your thoughts set a light imagination. When you breathe... Feel the blaze of ash laden air in your lungs feed the fire you feel inside your conflagration just begun stir the embers that singe the sky with every spin strum sashay and stroke forever you first notice fire it is always signaled by smoke it carries memory of solidity before fuel converts to flame looks down upon the gathering reflects upon from whence it came ascends once freed from inhibition sets an example we should heed while chaff lit incendiary burns at a flame with constant speed shake the dust from your clothing use your singular voice to blend with the chorus before us. Make inflammatory choice. Spark the light. Ignite. Boil like lava beneath the calm, then create streams of creativity like volcanic balm. Flow flips from feeble to fire starter, blackened hearts seared in flame. When forged in such heat, you can never be the same. Singe the char every last fear, vaporized tears from your eyes. Burn bright enough to endear you to the dawn as you rise. To inspire, we must wax like stars burn celestial bright. Melt excuses with the blaze, and when you feel the moment is right, seize the space to find cleansing through creative delight, then share it with hopeful abandon to everyone within sight. But for those beyond your hands grasp, burn fury etched deep into their palms, energy the artistic you emits enriches like spiritual alms. So whether you dance, paint, scope, sing, play, act, write, or recite when your passions ignite, shine when you spark
1: your light.
0: wow
1: incredible
0: i am so glad i was like i gotta ask
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that thank you
0: wow i'm floored blown away but also not surprised because of all of the accolades that you have but i feel like i should have asked you that when you came to my house now now every time you come over you must (laughs) you must
2: perform (laughs) (laughs) really noted yeah noted. (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you Amazing. so much for that that was incredible um yeah. before we send it off uh if anyone wants information about the african anthology about you where can they uh find all of that good stuff out
2: well you know the african anthology uh, perspectives of black canadian poets was published by renaissance press and went out on february 1st it is available worldwide through online and in-person bookstores here in Canada. So go to whoever your favorite uh, bookseller is. And if they don't got it, then make them order it because it's available and you can get it Uh, if you want to find out more information about the book, about the organization and about our plans. If you want to actually contribute to our plans, either in terms of your time or your finances, just come and look us up on africanthology.ca. And of course, Africanthology is the collision of the words African, Canadian and anthology. So just put it all together with the can in the middle highlighted because we are African Canadians doing something big for the history and the future of our people. So thank you all. Get your copies and, you know, by all means, uh, participate in this process of learning, sharing, amplifying, archiving and carrying forward the stories and the histories of Black people here in this country.
0: Thank you. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us during especially this crazy media week that you're having. Um, And thank you for obviously the copies that we're going to be giving away that we're so excited to be sharing all of this amazing work with people. Again, the whole point of this podcast, the work you're doing, everything that you just said is to continue to educate people about Black voices. We can't just be a podcast. It's also so good to give out, like give these resources to people and let people know What's good and what's up. Um, so, thank you so much. Uh, and if anyone listening wants to find more about us, our social media, Black Atlantic on everything except for TikTok. Right now, we're Black East Coast on TikTok. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook, our YouTube channel. We are all over the place. Clinton, any last words?
1: You can find us on TikTok if you type in Blacklantic. All all the guests today followed us on TikTok, (laughs) especially to you and them. Um, Blacklantic, B-L-A-C-K-L-A-N-T-I-C. That's our website as well, blacklantic.ca. And yeah, like uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts is where you can find us. So um, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, about 10 other ones that I always forget. Thank you for listening. If you listen till the end, you're a real trooper. So we always appreciate those listeners. And uh, we will see you again next week. Greg, is there anything you want to end off with?
2: Uh, Just a deep appreciation to the both of you. Hope people buy the book also go on amazon and cop cerebral confections which was my mm-hmm. latest personal collection of poetry please by all means sometimes i forget to tell people you know that i actually mm-hmm. write other things and uh, and if you want to find out more about what i'm up to then you can look me up on my personal website which is mm-hmm. riddlein.com and don't
1: forget the double l's Riddlein.com with a double l all right we will see you next week and peace
0: hi everyone